What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast. I'm your host, Shane McNeely. Just a reminder, Crazy Face Uno is inspiring others to do good and make a difference in our local and global community. And my guest today, she's no stranger to the show. She is a lovely woman. She just so happens to be my wife. (laughs) The one, the only, Dana McNeely. The crowd goes wild. (sighs) (laughs) Dana. Yes. Welcome back. Thank you. I am hopeful uh, that this time we're going to hear a little bit different story. Yeah. So for the listeners out there, um, if you've been listening for a while, you've probably listened to a podcast or two of Dana and I. Um, We told the story of kind of the process of getting ready to move to Florida. Yep. We did a short little um, podcast about, you know, getting here and kind of settling in in the first week. And then we did a ramble session. (laughs) (laughs) Just a word vomit time. Yeah. And then, uh, but I would really like to, and we've talked about doing um, a podcast where we tell your story. Yeah. And we start from the beginning and and we work our way to present day. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, yeah, this is, it's, it's interesting because it's like I'm going to be telling you for the first time but mm. a lot of times you're gonna know yeah all of the stuff yeah but our listeners at home <laughs> <laughs> right and it's interesting because you know i've talked about it on the podcast before but like i continually learn new things about people you yeah. know that are close like my mom my dad my mm-hmm. my family and stuff so yeah. yeah and i mean we've been together for five five years now yeah over five years i would definitely say i've grown and changed in those five years so i might reflect upon Mm. things a little bit sure of certain events (laughs) (laughs) well so dana let's uh let's go back just a little ways okay and i kind of you know before we got going i i left it open of kind of where you wanted to start but Mm -hmm. i figured that uh, high school was probably, you know, a good starting point of kind of base level Dana. Yeah. Um, is that where you'd like to start? Or I think that's fair. Okay. I think uh, probably a, a variety of my history will get looped in because I have a circular way of telling stories, but yeah. Yeah. So um, for those of the those out there that don't know you, you are one of three. I am. Middle Childs Unite. You are the middle child. Do you feel like you align with the middle child? Um, sometimes I feel like I do, and other times I feel like I don't. Um, I know that one of the big stereotypes is generally like the middle child is like this wild child, mm. right? I think. I, don't I guess even I don't know. know. You're an only honest. child, so you don't know. <laughs> but I feel like one of these stereotypes of middle children is like, oh, they're wild and they're crazy but it's like no i am but i'm not you know i i uh 
maybe I'm more wild than my siblings, but maybe not. I don't know. All three of us kids were pretty straight laced though <laughs> from the get go. <laughs> my, I tell I tell my parents all the time that they lucked out that none of us really had a very strong rebellious streak, <laughs> or if we did it, it was always it wasn't as rebellious. Yeah. As you would anticipate. <laughs> yeah. So get down for us. How would you describe yourself in high school? Um, In high school, I was definitely more unsure of myself, as we all are, kind of growing into yourselves and learning who you are and what you are. Um, I very much just wanted people to like me. We moved in elementary school. We're going back. We moved in elementary school. I was in third grade. From where? uh, Bloomington, Minnesota. So it was like 30 minutes away. It wasn't a huge uphaul but it did feel like across the world um and i think that kind of added to that stress of i want people to like me because when you move you move away from everybody so you went to a new school you know yeah i went to a new school i went i was i can't even remember my elementary school but then i came here and went to washburn elementary washburn washburn elementary school um but yeah, I think that contributed a lot. It's hard to think about myself in high school. I was just this weird kid who just did weird things because I was <laughs> just wanted to do like I wanted to be different and unique and exciting and Yeah. I didn't really know how to do that, so I just kind of took bits and pieces of things I admired in other people. Sure. Luckily, I had a really good friends in um Kelly and Heather. Yeah. Two of my longest standing friends from high school shout out to kelly and heather shout out to kelly and heather yeah it was us three amigos for the longest time and um now one of my really good friends amber as well we went to high school together and timna we also went to high school together (laughs) except we hated each other in high school (laughs) that was an, an interesting time and it's so funny because now she's one of my best friends sure um but yeah, that was always an interesting little pod that we had. Yeah, and I, I've, I've got to meet all of these yeah. ladies, and they're still very much present in your life, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the story. I feel like it kind of sums you up. Um, but I love the story that you tell about sneaking out of your house. Oh yeah. Luckily, my parents already know this, so I'm not, like, breaking the news to them. So, in high school, I feel like everybody has this rebellious phase where you sneak out of your house and you go to parties or you go and do something. I never really felt that strong desire at all, but there was one day where I wanted to see if I could sneak out of my house. And I did. I But it wasn't, like, this grand adventure. I didn't, like, knock out the screen in my window or anything like that. I literally just went downstairs went out the back door, which is always closed and locked and all that good stuff. And then the blinds are drawn, so you can't see that anything's different. Sure. And I just sat in my backyard for like 30 minutes. And I think I can. Afterwards, I just went back inside because I didn't really want to do anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't that I was trying to get away with anything. I just wanted to see if I could do it. Yeah. I think my mom even came out, actually. I think she came out and was like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm talking to somebody. And she's like okay, we'll go to bed. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't like a thing. (laughs) Like if I wasn't there, she wouldn't have known that I wasn't in bed or anything like that. I just wanted to see if I could sneak out of my house and I could. Which I think that that story 
embodies <laughs> a lot of who you are. Do you agree? <laughs> How do you mean? Well, I just mean that like you are you are pretty like follow the rules. I'm a rule follower. But you're not not adventurous. Yeah, I agree. And not that the the two have to be synonymous with one another, yeah. but I think that um as much as you, you know, like to follow the rules, I feel like that little rebellious side of you. Oh yeah, I definitely like to color outside of the lines every now and again, but yeah. not much, just a little bit, yeah. just to see if you notice. And if you do, great, you know who I am. And yeah. if you don't, then that's fine too. Who cares? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, were there any defining moments in high school? <sighs> defining moments in high school. I don't know, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. Like that you felt like defined who you are today or like really mm. shaped you throughout there is, teachers, people that influenced you. There is a cup. There is Mr. Storley. He was my science teacher from freshman year to senior year. And I felt like I was really close with him. I mean, he wasn't. I just felt like he was really nice. Yeah. He was really he was really nice. He was really kind. He didn't, like, let us get away with anything. Me, Heather, and Kelly really love Mr. Storley. And he's not like he did let us get away with anything by any means, but he just seemed like he was a really cool guy, and I just really liked him, like, as a human. Yeah. Um, There was Mr. Bills, who was our economics teacher when I was in high school. Um, I started... Actually, this is an interesting story. So I started my... The winter, like, trimester late because we actually my brother was in the marines so after he finished basics training in san diego at mcrd we went to pick him up so i actually ended up starting the trimester late because of that Mm. so i didn't get to meet him until like i think a week after all of my classmates did and mr bills was like kind of an intimidating human he was giant sized and i think it's just because i was also very young (laughs) so i didn't know any better but i think he was like six three yeah over 200 pounds he was like our varsity football coach i think sure and like our wrestling coach i'm pretty sure like he was just this giant human and he just had like a zest for life that was fantastic And he was just genuinely himself. He had this great story about, like, him and his family. I think he had, like, three kids, if I remember correctly. So they only had one car, and it was a van that his wife would sometimes, like, drop him off at school. Otherwise, he would bike to school. Sure. And I always had this picture of Mr. Bills in his, like, full suit, because he wore a suit just about every day or, like, something. Just, like, biking. And he actually (laughs) really enjoyed that visual, because I told him about it one time. And he's like, I want to be in, like, a suit, and, like, the coattails are flying, and, like, the wind is whipping around, like, in the Wizard of Oz, and I'm just, like, cackling and, like, riding my bike. Okay, Mr. Like, that's just who he was. Um, Defining moments. There was... Oh, that's the first time I threw out my back. So I, I played volleyball in high school. I wasn't very good. Or at least I don't think I was very good, but I played volleyball. Um, my junior year, sophomore year, maybe, actually. My sophomore and junior year, I ended up throwing out my back. Mm. Uh, my fifth lumbar. I actually have a very, as my doctor calls it, a very loose back, which just means I can throw it out really easily. But I had a pinched nerve in my lower back, which actually made it really difficult for me to um walk without pain i had kind of shooting nerve pain um and then sometimes shooting numbness which let me tell you doctors think is great 
Um, we actually, I ended up going to a physical therapist and like getting x-rays and doing all kinds of stuff, um, where they thought I herniated my, my disc in my fifth lumbar, but luckily I did not. So I didn't have to have surgery or anything like that. I just did like physical therapy and I did all this fun stuff. Um, but yeah, that was like the kind of the, I didn't realize how kind of big that was at the time. Now that I think about it, it was kind of like almost the beginning of the end, as dramatic as that sounds, um, because I ended up quitting volleyball after my junior year, because I just, I spent most of my junior year on the bench, because I kept throwing out my back, and it just wasn't worth it for me, so that's when I got a job at Target, go Target, now you understand my love of Target, <laughs> funny, she has a very, uh, I love Target, uh, special love for, special bond, Target, that's for sure, and I have said I've, all the way back to high school. Apparently. I've never wanted to live more than 10 minutes away from a Target. And luckily, we live like within 10 minutes of You're like welcome. two Targets. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Um, but yeah, Target was an interesting place. So when I quit volleyball, my dad told me, now my parents, I feel like they've instilled a very strong work ethic in, in me. Yeah. Um, some of it kind of reluctantly, but other times, like it just kind of comes out in different ways. So the reason I got a job at Target my senior year, not it wasn't because I wanted to by any means. I didn't mind it, but I just never thought about doing that. My dad told me, if you're not going to play volleyball, then you're going to have a job. And I'm like, meh, that's fair. So then I, got, I was like, where should I get a job? Well, I spent a lot of time at Target. So why don't I just work there? And that's how I got my job at Target. Very practical. Yeah, and the funny thing is that actually after I started, there were several employees who were like, oh, I was wondering if you were ever going to start working here. And I'm like, oh, great. Like the employees knew who I was because I was there so often. <laughs> That's wonderful. It was just up the street from your house. It was just up the street from my house. I ended up working there kind of on and off for six years because I stayed throughout college. Sure. And I had to come back for like Black Friday and Christmas break and summer break and all that good stuff. So, we've kind of established you, you know, you're, you're practical. <laughs> I am practical. Um, I got 5% off too. Listen, I, I was already spending so much money there. <laughs> Score. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, so, you know, fast forward, I guess, to, you know, junior, senior year as you're starting to look into college, the college years. Yeah. What influenced you in the direction you went there and... And then tell us you know, your major and, and where you went. And <laughs> this is so, I think this is such a funny story because I want it to be like awe-inspiring, but it's actually really boring, I think, and kind of funny. And also just really explains who I am as a human. So when I was looking at colleges, I wanted to go somewhere that was close enough to family that I could get home if something happened. And as many of my close friends and family know I'm awkwardly close with my family and moving to Florida was kind of a big deal anyway I wanted to be somewhere that was close enough to my family so I could get home quickly if I needed to but far enough away that my parents couldn't just be quote-unquote in the neighborhood sure because you know Debbie and Debbie would just show up which she did to Caitlin and she went to the U of M University of Minnesota Twin Cities campus so she just showed up all the time anyway so I applied for two different schools the University of Minnesota Duluth, UMD, Gold Bulldogs, which is actually where I ended up going, and St. Cloud State. Okay. Um, 
I dabbled with applying to the University of Minnesota Twin Cities campus, but I had to write like a three page essay or something like that. And I just wasn't interested in writing an essay. (laughs) (laughs) So I applied to these two colleges because it didn't involve an essay at the time. And they were both far enough away from my family. And I got accepted to St. Cloud State. I got accepted to UMD. I went to the call like the campus tour at UMD. It seemed great. Part of it was that I could get to campus and stay inside the entire time. And that really appealed to me. One, because it's cold in Minnesota. And two, because my allergies were so bad. I didn't like going outside. I was actually very afraid of being outside most of the time because my allergies were so bad. So it appealed to me that I could go and just be inside all day and not be miserable. And then the only time I was miserable was when I was that outside to get to my dorm or whatever. Sure. So that's why I ended up going to UMD. <laughs> and what influenced what you studied there as you were leading up yeah. to college? So my degree is in psychology. And I have a business administration minor. Um, And what kind of drove that was I took a, I can't remember my teacher's name, but I took a psychology class in high school, as one does. And I just thought it was really interesting because it it really explained at kind of a high level how people work and how people operated. And I found that very interesting. Um, The other option was history because I liked history, but I have no head for dates. And, you know, both of those majors are super practical. So I went with the more practical one, which was psychology. Um, Originally, I wanted to be a therapist because I thought it would be, I really liked helping people and not necessarily helping people so that I could have that internal gratification, but just helping people so that they could be the best version of themselves and kind of move on and not need me anymore. Mm -hmm. And then I can kind of help all these birds leave the nest if you will um so yeah that's what kind of drove that decision to go into psychology and you ended up sticking with that all the way through all four years yeah my goal actually was to be like a a either a marriage i was thinking of marriage and family therapy or like social work so all through college all through my undergrad i was thinking i'm gonna go and get my master's in one of these kind of fields so that I can practice. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted at that time. And when I got to my senior year and it was, I mean, I was already thinking of grad school at that point and I looked at a couple options, but when it really kind of like push came to shove to start to apply, I didn't really want to. Yeah. I wanted to more get work experience in the field um, to make sure that I made the right choice there. Um, so I didn't immediately apply thinking that I could get a job for a year to get that work experience and then go back right away. Um, and that's not at all (laughs) what happened. I did get work experience, but not necessarily that pushed me in the way of going back to grad school for marriage or therapy or all that good stuff. So college, tell us about UMD, your time there, you know, is there any, what were your influences there? What? What kind of shaped you at that time of your life? I would actually say one of the big things that helped me was like Timna. So everybody who knows me knows one of my really good friends is Timna. She's one of my best friends. Um, I also mentioned her before. We went to high school together, but we were 
enemies for the most part. What happened was we were part of the same friend group and then there was a fight. Sides had to be chosen. She was on one side basically by herself and it was the rest of us. So in college, we actually ended up living in the same dorm. On the first day as we were moving in, I saw her sister and I remembered that her sister used to go there, but I thought she didn't go there anymore. And I was like, oh, what's Masada doing here? And then I immediately thought, crap, that means Timna's here. And I saw Timna and I was so upset <laughs> because I'm like, why is she here? For whatever reason, I felt like she was going to ruin everything. Um, and then we actually ended up living together by happenstance, our sophomore, junior and senior year. And then, I mean, we've been best friends ever since. Yeah, that's a really big jump. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how you guys became friends then? So um, we actually got, I think we got tricked in. I feel like we were tricked into living with each other sophomore year. Um, We had some mutual friends um, that we were looking, each of us kind of independently were looking to live with this person. Um, And... I, I, unbeknownst to me, Timna and this other person like agreed to be roommates. And then when we were all having lunch, I was like, oh, hey, do you want to be roommates? Uh, and this person was like, yeah, that would be great. Then we only need to find one more person and we can live in one of the on-campus apartments. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's going to be you, me, and Timna. And I'm like, crap. No, I don't want that. But I can't say that because sure. I was born and raised in Minnesota. Like, I'm not going to do that at the table. Um, so like any good Minnesotan, I just bit my lip and just pushed through it. We ended up living together, (laughs) four of us, four friends. Um, we ended up living together. Um, and the types of on-campus housing that they had, it was like a two-bedroom apartment, but then there's two beds in each bedroom. So then it was me and one friend and then team and another friend in these separate rooms. Um, and we still... We liked each other at that point, but it was still kind of this uneasy feeling because of past emotions just in regards to that. We hadn't let it all go quite yet. Um, But during that time, we like relearned that, hey, we actually have a lot in common and we're actually very like good together, if that makes sense. Like almost Mm -hmm. like a relationship. We were like, hey, we're good together. We should be together. Um, And after that it just kind of like developed naturally we just kind of decided that we were friends again and became confidants and then i think lived together for six or six or eight years something like that wow cool total um yeah it was a good time (laughs) so you mentioned timna Mm -hmm. because you felt like she had shaped oh yeah um kind of part of who you were or mm-hmm. I so I look at Timna as a very confident individual she always just kind of beat to her own drum you know she sure. just kind of moved to her own rhythm um she's very old soul she just genuinely cares about people she's really great about reaching out too um and she just is so good at kind of listening and just being who she is. And I really appreciated that. Um, and for me, having somebody that listened to me was something that was very important. Um, not that, you know, my f- friends and family in high school never listened to me or anything like that. But I don't know. There was just something about that where I just felt like we were vibing on the same level. Yeah. Um, and that really kind of helped me, I think, kind of come into myself and to come into my own person and see that you know i can be different 
or I can be myself and that's fine. And the people that like me do and the people that don't like me don't. And that's okay. Um, I think a lot of people continue to struggle with things like that. Kind of, and I would be lying if I said that I didn't struggle with things like that, but I've definitely gotten to the point where if you're going to really have to try to hurt my feelings, like it's not generally going to happen by accident. Yeah. So are the college years, um, you know, you, you touched on Timna, you touched on that part, mm-hmm. um, Oh. Is there anything else that influenced you yeah, or like so really actually, pushed you in a direction in college uh, that you feel like is... I feel like with college, I did learn a lot. Um, with a psychology degree, you learn about people very much. Um, so I feel like I learned just a lot in general. But I feel like there's been a couple lessons. So like one is just like ask Right. Ask the question. Ask if you need help. Seek out help if you need it. Um, And the reason is because I actually my freshman year, I took this class. It was like history and systems of psychology. And I love the class, but I did absolutely terrible in it. I think I got a D, which was not very good for me emotionally or anything. Uh, And I ended up talking to the teacher and he let me retake the class. Um, he said like, you'll have to pay for it and everything, but I'll replace your grade for, I'll replace the D with whatever grade you get in this other class so that your GPA comes up from it. And I thought that was great. Um, and something that I realized with this teacher is that he had a very interesting aspect or not aspect, kind of viewpoint on everything. He just tried to force you to see things from a different point of view. Um, one of the things we touched on a little bit, which sounds really weird, but it's just something that really sticks out to me is like fetishes and how fetishes are created, right? So there was this big example that he kept using because it was in the papers at the time of this guy who would have sex with dead horses, which is a very odd thing to do. And he's, he was arrested, but it still like went to this place. And in your development, at some point, like, your sexual arousal gets linked with this. And it just is a very odd topic. But long story short, this kind of connections get made all the time. And sometimes you just don't know when they happen. Whether they're with people or feelings or emotions or things, connections are always happening. So don't necessarily do anything different, but be aware of it. And that's kind of something I took out of that. Um, another thing was that I actually took a test and I ended up getting really bad grade in it. Again, history, I just don't have a dates. Like my brain just doesn't work with dates. Um, and what I actually did was I went to his office hours to talk to him about like my test scores and my essays and the things that I was doing. And what he did is he actually had me explain my answer to the question because um, I just wasn't great at articulating my thoughts at that point in time. So we had these essay questions and you have to answer them and it become this long rambling kind of answer that I thought I explained it, but it didn't really explain it. Um, so we got into this cadence of at the end of tests, if I 
didn't agree with my score, I had questions about it, I'd go into his office hours and I would explain my answers to the essay questions and he would grade me based off of my knowledge as opposed to just what I did on the paper. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's, you never know what's going to happen. Just show up and just ask the question. Um, I would say another really big thing. So I actually had a boyfriend in college. We were together for like two and a half years. We shouldn't have been together that long. He was in a very healthy relationship. Um, but something that whole experience taught me was very much, I have to be okay with myself. You know, a lot mm. of people have self-esteem issues or they have, they try and validate their worth by being in a relationship or by people wanting to be friends with them. Um, and that's not what you're worth. Um, I remember talking to, I think it was Kathleen, our cousin, about who you are is not defined by the people that like you and it's not defined by your job because if that's not there anymore, then who are you? Right. Who are you? Who you are is defined within yourself. And you need to try and be okay with yourself before you invite somebody else into kind of your heart and your home. And the reason is, you know, if you don't want to live with yourself, why would somebody else want to? Sure. Um, so being in kind of a destructive relationship was something that helped me kind of discover that, you know what, it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to be alone and it's okay to just try new and different and exciting things and to take every opportunity as they come up. But when that opportunity has run its course, then let it go. Yeah. Yeah. So you graduate college. 2011. 2011. Something we, you, you kind of touched on, uh, if we can circle back to it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you haven't talked much about your siblings at all. But John, your brother, yep, your oldest yep. brother, he's the oldest of the of the siblings. Um, you had touched on him being in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, did that have any effect on you? Did you think about that much? Did you? I know he was um, active duty. He was he was deployed overseas. Yeah, it was nerve wracking at times, knowing that he was overseas and like. It was, yeah, I keep going back and forth. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to articulate all of my kind of thoughts and feelings in regards to all of that. Um, Because he was my older brother. Right. Or was. He is. He's currently, (laughs) he's currently my older brother (laughs) as well. Um, And he took a non-traditional path, I think. I think a lot of people think you go to high school, you apply to for college, and you go to college and he went into the military, which is something that a lot of people do. Um, but it was kind of non-traditional in my thinking. Um, and it was just odd to not be able to kind of connect with him in the way I wanted to. You know, you want to be able to just reach out and call or text or or do that stuff when you want to hear from somebody. If you're like thinking of them, you want to be able to just reach out and say like, hey, I've been thinking about you. Yeah. Not that there's any burden that you need to respond or anything, but I just wanted to let you know I've been thinking about you and I care about you. Um, And during that time, you couldn't really do that. 
Right. You can get a hold of him. Um, you could send an email and then he'd send one back when he could, or you could send a letter and then he would send one back when he could. Um, and it definitely changed him a lot as it should, you know? Yeah. That's an experience that not a lot of people have to go into kind of a dangerous situation and live among like-minded individuals for the most part who are also in this dangerous situation that are far away from their families and loved ones and you create a bond with other people and I think it definitely it was hard because we are as a family unit we are very close we are very close as a family union um we used to I mean we used to have family dinner like every two weeks um at kind of the latest and now uh, they FaceTime me when they have family dinner, which <laughs> is sometimes good and sometimes bad. I think yeah. we were on the phone, they FaceTime me and I had this whole like face mask on and I'm like, well, this is going to be good. <laughs> and I just answered and I'm like, hi, family. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was interesting. And it just changed who he was as a person, as it should. Um, he's definitely cleaner than he was when he was in high school. John was a mess in high school, like, take, like, not, like, taking care of himself. Like, he showered and did all the stuff that you're supposed to do in regards to personal hygiene, but his room was always a mess. Not that mine's any better even now. Um, but he's very neat now. He's, things have their place and things have their home. And when he gets something, it generally has a purpose. And that's, I think, something that he bring, he brought back with him from the military. So for you, what about with you and your sister, Caitlin, um, how would you describe, you know, your relationship together, like growing up? Yeah. So Caitlin and I, we actually had to share a room until probably middle school, maybe high school when I was in high school. So Caitlin and I are two years apart and we actually look similar to each other. Um, some people ask if we're twins all the time, which is always a great time, but we shared a room and because of that, we hated every breath the other person took. We hated each other until I moved out to college. (laughs) We are the kind of, now I think we would be able to live with each other much more because we're both like adults and we can handle things like adults. But there is a couple times in high school where I genuinely threatened her life. (laughs) Um... I think one time we were driving and it was snowing or something or it just wasn't like beautiful sunny skies or something like that. And I was driving because I had my license and she did not have her license and she was criticizing every move that I made. And I got so annoyed first because I'm like, how can you criticize me? You don't even have your license. You're not driving. You have no idea what you're talking about. She's like, well, I know if I did this, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I'm going to find a cliff and I'm going to drive off of it to take both of us out. So I never have to hear you talk about this again. <laughs> um, and my dad found out we, I got in trouble for that, which is fair, I think, to get in trouble for threatening my sister's life. But we hated each other so much until I moved out. It was, it was, it was, uh, I loved her. I loved her very much, but I also hated her very very much and I think for Caitlin it was partly she's trying to be her own person and it's hard to be your own person when you have somebody who looks very much like you experiencing things before you so now the teachers are 
accidentally calling her Dana. Or they, I mean, some of her teachers, like, had this impression of who she was going to be because they had me or because they had John. So she was very much trying to find herself and it was becoming very difficult because I don't think she lived in our shadow. But I think that she was battling the impressions that our teachers had about John and I. And she's just trying to be her. Um, but it was very much a, we hated each other, but we loved each other. As an example, this is another fun story. And this is actually way, way, way before, before we moved. Um, we, I think I was like five, which puts Caitlin at three and puts John at like seven. And there is these neighborhood kids that we did not like. We are definitely frenemies and we got into a fight about something. I don't even know what the fight was about, but it was like a legitimate fist fight. It was a brawl, I think. So they had three siblings. They had two boys, one John's age, one my age, and a little girl, Caitlin's age. So John and this kid like fight and John beats up the kid. Then me and my kid, we like get into a fight and I beat up my kid. So kudos for me. (laughs) And then I remember seeing Caitlin and this other little girl, both of them like three years old, just sitting on the ground and like pulling each other's hair. So I like go over and I take Caitlin away and I just like push the little girl over and then I carry her home. (laughs) 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 And then I carry my sister home and she was so heavy because I was not strong, but I carry her home and that like I think that describes it like I very much love my sister and I can make fun of her all I want but if anybody else does I'm gonna push you over <laughs> three, um, year old, three years old or three not. years old or not um, <laughs> and my mom she's like I actually remember you carry because it was the only time I carried her yeah. she's like I remember you carrying your sister and she was crying you said that she fell over and I'm like well that was probably true <laughs> do you feel like your relationship with your siblings uh had an impact on who you are today i think so um definitely i i was trying to please people because i was i just i'm a people pleaser and i think that kind of shaped it because i wanted to get along with my brother and i wanted to get along with my sister and i'm kind of in the middle right and they kind of butt heads so often. And I was the peacekeeper. I was just trying to keep the peace, man. Because if they butt heads, I would get pulled into it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they would butt heads and I'd try and break them up. And then they both end up beating up on me instead. Um, and I think that kind of role was foisted upon me at a very early age. This like peacekeeper role. I always had to be in the middle when we drove anywhere. And then they would both sleep on my shoulder and I'd put my head on top of my sister's. It was adorable. Um, And then anytime they'd get into an argument about something, I'd have to, I wouldn't have to, but I tried to step in whenever I could. Sure. Uh, So fast forward, I guess. Fast forward. You graduate college 2011. Mm -hmm. What was next? So what was next? What was next was that I did not want to live with my parents any longer than I had to. So I graduated in May and in October I moved out with Timna. We got a two bedroom apartment. Um, and I actually ended up working like two, three, three, three and a half jobs, two and a half jobs or something like that. Um, so that I didn't have to live with my parents. I like to think that it shows I have really strong work ethic, but I think it was more just a desire not to have to 
tell my parents where I was going every night. Sure. Um, so I had a full-time job. Um, oh, but So when I graduated, my goal was to find a job within the psychology field, right? To learn more about myself and about where I wanted to go with that degree. And it turned out it was very difficult to get a job without experience in that field. So I looked at, you know, group homes. I looked at, um, like, staff at a hospital for, like, the behavioral units. I looked at, like, autism caretakers and all kinds of stuff that I applied for, and I didn't really get any callbacks. Um, so then I kind of broadened my scope to healthcare, period. That, um, and it I didn't really find anything. I just kept applying and applying. And until then, I actually had a a temp job at U.S. Bank, which is where my mom currently works. And I actually ended up working with her former co-workers. And I had the glamorous job of copying files for eight hours a day, (laughs) which, let me tell you, super fun, super exciting, definitely keeps the brain working. Um... But as I do with everything, I try and be as efficient as possible. So I actually turned an eight-hour day into a four-hour day because I just figured out how to, I guess, copy in a way where the machine was basically constantly running, um, which actually ended up wearing out their machine a couple times. They had to get it repaired <laughs> because of me. <laughs> um, uh, and then what happened was because I got efficient, I ended up talking to my manager. Again, just ask the question, right? Ended up talking to my manager and said, hey, I think I can do more for this company if you want me to. Um, But I don't think it's necessarily good that I just sit around for four hours waiting for a new file to come in. I don't want to waste your time at all. I can sit here and get paid for waiting, but I don't think that's a kind of good course of action. Um... And my manager was like, give me a week. Let me think about it. So during that time, I also got a job at Caribou, which is a coffee shop. So I worked there um, like three or four times a week. And I always had a closing shift so that I could work at U.S. Bank in the morning. And then I'd go to Caribou and then I'd fill in whatever time I had um, lifeguarding at the private pool. Um, So eventually my manager came back and they actually had me canceling mortgage loans. So it's not necessarily calling the person and canceling the loan with them. All of that would have already happened. It's just closing everything out in the system. Um, So again, not super exciting work, but it's things that could occupy me when I didn't have a file to copy. Um, But eventually I got very efficient at that as well so that... They actually hired another temp for me to train to do the copying so that I could do the mortgage loan canceling and work the front desk. Nice. Um, And during all this time, I just kept applying and applying for a job to get into the healthcare industry because I wanted to help people in a way. Um, And it was almost a year where I got the job at Coloplast, which is the company I worked for for about seven years. And I found out about it through... um, it was a system called Gold Pass. So the you had like a job kind of search sure. function. That's um, a nice yeah. thing to have. So the only reason I applied at Coloplast is because I recognized the name because one of my friends worked there. And it was this administrative position doing hard data entry. And I'm like, well, it's a full-time job and it's in a health industry. So I applied. Yeah. Um, and I actually ended up taking the job that my friend was vacating because she got a promotion. Nice. So then I ended up backfilling her position and started, kickstarted my career at Coloplast that way. 
But the funny thing is I was actually planning on leaving a couple times from coloplast because, again, I just, I wanted growth. That's something I've definitely learned from working at U.S. Bank and from having that admin position is that I'm the kind of person that likes to be challenged by new things. Mm-hmm. I like being challenged. I like knowing and doing new things and trying new things out. Not necessarily to take up a new hobby or a habit, but just so that things are changing. Yeah. And that something doesn't grow stale. Um, I think that's healthy, though. Yeah. But now it like now I have the, now it comes out in little ways. So as an example, the Microsoft Office Suite, you can change the background so it's a gray scale or a colorful scale or a like off white scale. <laughs> and every month or so, I just kind of update that so that the background changes, nice. um, just to kind of re-engage me into everything that I'm doing. Nice. So yeah. So, Coloplast. Coloplast. That was a big part of my life. So, you worked there for seven years? Mm-hmm. Technically, I still work there. Yeah. <laughs> Except now I work for a company called Comfort. So, at Coloplast, I held... I actually just looked it up. I think it's three or four official titles there, um, where I kind of just continued to grow within the company. So, at first, I was an admin doing hard data entry. After about a year or so of doing that, I kind of got annoyed more or less of doing data entry i was like i can do more with myself so i started looking for other things and then this opportunity came about where we were moving a lot of the hard data entry to a different country to help us and honestly i was like 24 and i had never really been outside of the country and i thought that would be cool Um, So I decided to stay to see if I could take advantage of that opportunity, but also to see what would happen with my role. Is it going to become more interesting? Is it going to become more involved in a place where I like like to be? Um, Coloplast, for people that don't know, is a medical manufacturer. They make intimate healthcare products like urinary catheters and ostomy pouches. Um, And their goal and their mission is to just help people who have intimate healthcare needs. You know, a lot of people don't talk about People have colostomies or people who need to use catheters. They're, you're talking about how people go to the bathroom. And it's a taboo subject. And it shouldn't be. People should be yeah. feel comfortable talking about their medical needs. And Coloplast, I think, does a lot of great things in innovating new products to make it concealable, if that's what you want. But also to just make it... Make you feel comfortable talking about it so you don't have to feel ashamed saying you're having leakage issues when you call in you have leakage issues and that sucks let's do something to change it um and i very much felt that coming from the organization and that's something that i really enjoyed um but what i was doing on a day-to-day basis just wasn't engaging for me um so i actually did i was able to travel to help train a team to take over that aspect of my role and where did you travel i just went to poland just went to poland um i went to poland for about a week and a half so i was there over a weekend and during that weekend i ended up going to berlin by myself which was really fun um but i gotta meet one of my friends who lives out there she's from germany her name's viviana um, so that was really nice that I was able to kind of meet her out there for a couple hours before she had to go and I had to get on a train. <laughs> You've been out that way work. more than once though, correct? 
yes, I think so. I mean, I've been to like, I've been to Denmark for work as well. And that was an exciting time. So when I became a new supervisor, um, basically when I, when I, when I got a leadership role, part of the training for that is this uh, new manager program where after you have a few months under your belt, so you have some experience, you get together with other new managers and you kind of walk through a training program that kind of teaches you to become more vulnerable and to help learn different techniques for coaching, but to also learn more about yourself so that you can learn more about the people that you're helping. So the first couple days are actually more self-discovery about what your journey looks like and who you are as a person and the things that you lean to and your tendencies um, so that you can use your strengths with your team, but also work on your own weaknesses. Um, so yeah, I actually, you're right. I ended up going out that way for work. Um, so I've been, I've traveled twice for work, which is exciting. <laughs> yeah. It's still a novelty for me. So it's exciting for me to travel for work. What are some of the things that you feel you learned along the way, even before you took a, a leadership role at Coloplast? I think that one of the biggest things that kind of supported my previous thought of like, just ask the question was at Coloplast. So Coloplast is a company that's based out of Dan- Denmark, 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 and they have a lot of European or Danish kind of thoughts. So being open and transparent and asking the question when you have the question or, hey, if you're looking for something different, talk to your manager about it. Have an open dialogue about what your career aspirations are and how can you get there. Um, And I had a lot of strong leadership um, in the, luckily, a lot of strong women leaders in the organization that kind of helped push and help me grow into I feel like being a strong female leader as well um, so that I can also help mentor other people, whether they're male or female, to kind of become one in themselves. Um, Being a supervisor, I think, has also really taught me that helping people comes in different ways. Some people need to be kind of in the thick of it and help the person directly that needs to be helped. And I get a lot of satisfaction in even helping the team members who are actually on the phone. So I get a lot of satisfaction from that and being able to help my team grow and to become the best, you know, call center agent that they are so that they can help the people on the phone and I can kind of vicariously live through them. And I don't know if that makes me empathetic or sympathetic or one of those etic type of words. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've learned that I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. And actually, my degree in psychology um, has really helped me because in my years of psychology classes, you kind of learn more and more about the aspect of people and the different theories of psychology and what shapes a person um, and their habits and kind of the biggest thing I learned is that people are people are here for themselves not in a bad way but people are just trying to protect themselves in whatever way and capacity they can 
So mm-hmm. if you're talking to somebody and you feel like they're taking what you're saying wrong, they're just trying to protect themselves. They're not trying to mishear you. They're not trying to make you feel like crap. They're not trying to be argumentative. They're just trying to protect themselves. And in most cases, that's okay to do. In other cases, you kind of have to think a little bit more openly. So like in customer service, I wouldn't say the customer is always right, but you kind of have to get crafty with your wording (laughs) in it. Um so that they feel validated yeah and when you're representing a company that's something that's very important it's definitely a learned skill nice so you took on a leadership position um as a supervisor mm-hmm. at coloplast he did um that was actually while we were dating yep um and then how was that experience for you i mean that was a step up and a step in a direction that was exciting for you, I think. And, yeah. and kind of along that same path of looking at change and looking at, you know, wanting to be challenged, I think. Yeah. Um, Being a supervisor is definitely challenging in a variety of more different ways than being an individual contributor because when you're an individual contributor you're focused very much on you and like what you're doing and as a supervisor you have to focus on your people you have to focus on yourself you have to focus on what's going on above you and to the left and to the right so for me what i think was most challenging was definitely becoming a leader of people that were previously my peer so i kind of moved into this position where I used to be just a peer or a co-worker with individuals and did the same job that they did and now all of a sudden I was in charge of them. Mm. And that's a hard transition for me as a people leader, but it's also a hard transition for the individuals. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard transition for anyone because there's this person who is your confidant and now all of a sudden they're in charge of you and in charge of telling you and coaching you and talking to you when you did something wrong, but also making sure that they you know, tell you when you do things right. It's a hard relationship to balance. And I actually ended up, um, there's a couple people where I was, I would say work friends with, and I had to not be work friends with them so that I could effectively manage them. Yeah. How Um, was that? How was that for you? How was that experience? Um, it was hard. I think mostly because I missed their friendship, Mm. but I think that when I became a people leader, I accepted this responsibility of their growth as a person in business. And I think that was something that I took very seriously. I still take it very seriously, even. Well, I'm a manager now, so I have to take it very seriously, yeah. too. Um, but especially with people who are friends with you and with... Uh, a particular individual it was very easy. He totally got it. He was like, no, I get it. Like, you have to talk to me about this stuff. And, you know, I hope that we can still be friends. I'm like, I definitely still want to be friends. But I also need to make sure that I, you know, keep my distance so that I can coach you in these things and not kind of fall back on a friendship relationship. Um, for me, it's just very hard for me to balance that. For other people, it's not. Some people, yeah. it's very easy for them to balance it. For me, I find it difficult so i just 
try and manage the relationship that I'm taking responsibility for. So when I'm supervisor, that's, that's the relationship that I'm working on. Um, one person, it was a little bit harder of a transition. Um, I don't, they, knowing them and who they are as a human, it's not like they were trying to pull the wool over my eyes or anything, but how they would phrase certain things, it made it sound like I should be doing you a favor because we're friends. Mm. And I just called them out on it, not in a negative or confrontational way, but I'm saying like, just how I said it there. I know this isn't what you mean, but this is how your words can be interpreted. And that's when you see all the emotion change. I'm not trying to do that at all. And I'm like, I know you're not trying to do that. I'm just letting you know this is how it can be interpreted. So if somebody who doesn't know you hears these words, this is how they're going to hear it. So you have to learn how to rephrase that so that you don't feel like you're asking for favors. Um, So, yeah, I feel like being a supervisor is very much... Teaching people to be the best employee that they can, but also teaching them life skills, or at least that's how I'm looking at it, because it's things that can translate into their daily lives as well. I know that one thing that was really challenging uh, when you first became, you know, like a people leader was letting people go. Yeah, that's really hard. How did you manage that? And what was, what was that? How did that kind of develop or that that skill in a way yeah uh, kind of develop over time so terminating people is hard and it becomes harder when you have an emotional attachment to them obviously um the first time i had to let somebody go it was definitely something that my mentor and manager at the time had to kind of help me and coach me through um because you don't really know what to say right it's mm-hmm. even if it's based on performance, even if it's based on you're not meeting an expectation, you feel so bad. And I couldn't help but feel that I'm taking this person's paycheck away from them when I'm right. letting them go. That's their ability to make rent. That's their ability to eat. Like, that's what I felt like I was taking away from them. Um, and what I actually had to do was change my mindset. So... In <laughs> this is going to sound super callous <laughs> as I say it. Um, you can tell when somebody is making the effort to do everything that they can in the role that they're in. So you're going to do everything that you can to help them succeed or you're going to help them find another role within the organization to help them succeed. Because sometimes it's just not a good fit for them. Mm-hmm. Right. And other times it's also up to them. You might, you know. You have the right ethics, you have the right everything, but this isn't a good fit. Can I, I want, I want you to go into this other role because I think it'll be good and they don't want to do it and that's fine and that's up to them. But that means we have to focus on this and get you up to speed or you just can't be here anymore. Yeah. Um, so the first, the first few were really, really hard for me because it was really hard to distance myself and, and kind of let them go and to take away their paycheck. It was it was really hard for me, actually. I, I think I cried after a couple of them. But in the meeting, you have to put on this facade, right? You have to put on your little jacket, and this is the person you are. You're the hiring manager. Yeah. You're the firing manager as well. And you have to let them go. You can't ask somebody else to take care of you when you're letting them go. 
so you have to put on this front, whether you believe it or not, of being very strong and confident in that conversation. But you also have to make sure that you're okay with this outcome, that you right. know that you've done everything in your power to help them get to where they are. Yeah. That's a good way of like seeing it and just not just processing, but just a good way of like just being a leader, I think. I mean, Thank you. if you're helping someone be the best that they can and get to the point where they're succeeding and they're still not reaching that, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all you can do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like, you've got to, it's not you as the individual, it's it's the company. Yeah. And you represent the company. And, and that's, that's, yeah, that's the thing too, is that I'm. You have to have the company's back and, mm-hmm. and making sure that the job is getting done. Yeah. I'm corporate. I'm yeah. the company. I have to protect the company when you're a people leader, but as an individual, I expect you to protect yourself. Yeah. And to do everything in your power to do what's best for you as well. Yeah. Of course. Um so this kind of gets us to a point where we've kind of already covered in some ways, but um it kind of le- leads the way into Florida and uh, yeah. us arriving here in the sunshine state um how did you when when this all first came up uh mm-hmm. your supervisor your uh director yep at the time um you kind of put it out there as like does anybody want to move to florida kind of thing yeah and uh what how did you feel what did that what did, what kind of what were your feelings when you heard that the first time and even after we kind of spoke and yeah. like, what was that process like for you? I think the first time it was brought up, 98% of myself said, nope, don't want that. I want to move to Florida. But then 2% of me kind of had this, that seems like an interesting change. Mm. And then it was, it wasn't gone, but it was just, this is a statement that he brought up. Who wants to move to Florida? Who wants to go to Comfort? Like, who wants to have that conversation? Yeah. And most of me was like, nap, I'm good. But then there was that bit of, well, what if this leads to something? And it just kind of goes back into the things that I learned in college. Ask the question. Take opportunities that come your way. This is an opportunity. Let's see where it goes. That doesn't mean you're committing to anything. You're just seeing where it goes. So as the conversation kind of kept coming up, in different ways of, so when are you moving to Comfort? So when are you doing this? So when are you moving to Florida? So when are you doing that? And it just, it didn't become more real, but it was definitely something of like, oh, this is actually a viable, like, possibility. And that's kind of when you and I started having that conversation of, do we want to move to Florida? Is this something we want to do? Is this something we want to explore? And obviously we made the choices to get here. Yeah, here um, we are. Today. And here we are today. I think two months for me ish of yeah. being here and yeah, about a month probably, for you or something like that. that. Month and yeah. A half. And I feel like I've learned so much half, so. from being here as well because at Coloplast, like like I was saying, I was there for seven years, right? 
and mm. I kind of grew as an employee and as a people leader, and I was very much an expert in the things that I did. Yeah. And now I'm kind of a fish fish out of water. Yeah, and this has been one of the conversations we've had a lot, you know, just some of your frustrations, which I'm sure a lot of people can can resonate with and like yeah. understand. Um, you know, you've you've mentioned to me just like I came from Coloplast where I was an expert in my field, I was an expert in what I what I was doing. Yep. To like you just said, I'm I'm this like little fish in a big pond. I'm mm-hmm. I'm like learning learning the ropes again, and yeah. I'm not the one that everybody comes to for answers, and I I have to learn that and earn that spot again. Yeah, I think there was. I came home one day and I said to you like, I hate becoming an expert. That sounds really familiar. <laughs> Which is in itself a, a it sounds like a very odd statement. Like I hate becoming an expert. Um, but I like to clarify that I love being an expert and I love learning new things and having new challenges. But this kind of process to get there and that learning, learning curve is hard. That learning curve is hard. And I lucked out in that I at least know the products. Yeah. For the most part. I don't know the competitor products, but I know the products. Yeah. So I'm just learning systems and processes, you know, and like how Medicare works <laughs> and our whole insurance system, which Ta-da. is super easy to navigate and <laughs> honestly the easiest part of my job so um yeah i feel like i'm just learning new things about medicare every single day and um luckily my team's great um it, that's also just an interesting thing because there's this balance between how much questions can i ask my team without sounding like an idiot for the most part yeah. i mean there's probably a nicer way to say that but you know i'm don't know all the processes and there's a lot of processes that have been established for a number of years that I'm getting used to and getting familiar with and I have to give myself some grace you know I've been at this company for seven weeks eight weeks two months something like that like yeah there's a learning curve and I need to allow myself to learn at a normal pace as opposed to just thinking I'm going to be an expert after two or three months sure um I'll get there and luckily, I have a really great support system. Um, but yeah, my team my team is great. I like them a lot, and I think that they like me, and they're helping me learn more about the different processes, and sometimes it's even poking holes in the processes that exist. Not them sure. necessarily poking the holes, but they'll explain a process to me, and I just think, huh. You ask questions. Yeah, I ask questions and I try and get to know everything from their point of view because they're the ones that are actually working in the system. Mm-hmm. There's everything that's documented and for the most part they follow all the documented stuff and they do all the legal stuff. They're great at that. Yeah. Um, but then there's also some things where better not ask my team. Should ask a peer. <laughs> I'm going to ask one of the other managers that one yeah. or, or my boss that one. Yeah, it's and just as I like think back about even just our conversation just tonight Mm -hmm. and um you know i you mentioned it that your you know your parents really raised you with um to be a hard worker and and to be a lot of who you are and um i see a lot of that you know knowing your family and knowing your mom and your dad and Mm -hmm. and even you know your brother and your sister and how like the similarities that you guys have, but also the differences just personality wise and character character wise. And, yeah. um, you know, something that is 
like I think you can look at your story and, and listen to what we've talked about and see is the progression everywhere you've been you've started kind of low man on the totem pole and, and you've worked your way up and you've mm-hmm. showed your your hard work and your passion and, and who you are mm-hmm. and it's it's shown through and allowed you to really um, make the leaps and, and take those steps that, that have brought you to where you are today um, as a manager mm-hmm. um, at Comfort Medical. And I think that's really cool. I, I think it says a lot about who you are as an individual. And um, I think that that is something that we just... You can never have enough of. Yeah. And, you know, if you're listening out there, um, put that put that effort in. Put that work yeah. forward. Continually work on yourself and, and that mindset. I, I know you've talked a lot about that of, like, just changing your mindset in different mm-hmm. scenarios where you were at. Whether it was, you know, I decided not to play volleyball and whether it was your parents or your dad you know kind of urging you well you're not playing but you gotta now you gotta have a job um it's that like what what's next you know kind of mentality and just shifting focus of like well okay well like if i'm not gonna play volleyball then i've gotta get a job and yeah um i just think that's really important i think it's important just in general when you look back um maybe from high school, maybe from wherever you want to say, like when you look back on your life, your younger years to who you are today, what are some of the things you're most proud of? What are, what are some of the things that like have, um, you know, had, had the biggest impact on you? Um, and what are some of the differences? I know, I know that's a lot in one little thing, but, um, yeah, just, Impact, I would say, definitely one of the big things that had a pretty big impact kind of through college was something I failed to touch on before was when my grandmother passed away. Mm. That was the first time I really remember experiencing a death that was so close to me. Mm. Um, and, and working through that loss of my grandmother on my mom's side, she was somebody that lived with me, my grandparents on my mom's side lived with us and Mm -hmm. kind of raised us, which I definitely kind of fostered our family orientation and being super close. So I more or less lost like my second mother Yeah. in that time. Um, and that was really hard for me to process and it's honestly something I kind of still am processing. Yeah. Because it was kind of that first kind of death. And I think that impression, um, it just kind of reminded me of, oh, this gets a little like the fragile, like the fragileness of life, right? Yeah. And you don't want to leave anything on the table. I don't think she left anything on the table she had a pretty fruitful life from i'll get into that a different time (laughs) um but just taking chances and going with the flow and taking the opportunities as they come up 
you know she yeah. lived she's she was from china she lived in new york she lived in chicago she lived in la like she lived in minnesota like she lived in all kinds of different places that are very different from where she grew up and you have to take those opportunities as they come up or force those opportunities so i think when she passed it kind of forced me to think a little bit more about who she was as a person not just as my grandmother and caretaker but Mm -hmm. she was a she was this woman who had two kids of her own and had to learn english and had to you know figure out her life and to protect her kids and to protect her family yeah um why do you think that her death and like that process impacted you so much i think it was honestly partly because it was one of the closest people to me who's yeah. ever passed so like my one of my uncles like passed away when i was younger but i was like in fifth grade so it wasn't something i was probably younger than that actually but it wasn't it was something i knew and it was something that made me sad but it wasn't i i wasn't fully mature enough to process that so this was like the first death that ever happened that i was mature enough to fully process what that meant and what a life leaving this plane of existence means and it kind of forced me to really think about like what comes after does something come after i don't know um and to really think deeply deeply on kind of the legacy you live and the legacy you leave behind with your loved ones so i think it was just a very like it was just like it was a deep thing it was the first death i really experienced and it kind of forced me to really face my humanness yeah which makes sense i think that i think that first especially the first one but i don't know for me it's death in general it's just hard yeah and and you feel emotions so deeply you feel emotions so deeply yeah yeah so i mean i can resonate with that a lot and uh yeah so that clearly played a big impact in your life Mm -hmm. um yeah when you look back you know from then to now what would you say you know is one of the biggest differences or what are some of the differences that you see um growth wise you know like what seeing you grow from from a young girl to the smart, yeah. beautiful, wonderful lady woman that you are today. Thanks, um, I definitely feel like I have a confidence in myself and in the decisions I make. I trust my mind a little bit more or a lot more than I used to, um, especially in like high school and college. You make these decisions and you kind of hope for the best. Um And sometimes you make decisions and you don't have a lot of confidence behind them. You ask 50 different people their opinions before you do something. And I do that every now and again still. Um, As you well know, I generally ask your opinion (laughs) before I make decisions. But I feel like I have more confidence in myself and in my decision-making qualities. I also feel... I mean, there's always going to be aspects of yourself that you don't like. But I feel good about myself. Yeah. I feel whole about who I am as a person, kind of spiritually and physically. 
um, I feel content, which is not something I would say I felt as a high school student. Um, or in college, I was still kind of discovering myself. So I feel really, I feel, I just feel really content about my personhood. That's awesome. So as we close things up and wrap things up, is there anything you want to leave us with? Anything you want to say, uh, share with about yourself? I would, I'd probably want to leave with like one message sure. for the vo- folks at home and for anybody listening to this. Reach out to the people that you care about and let them know that you care about them. Mm. Be okay with who you are. And it's going to be hard. It's not meant to be easy all the time. Yeah. There's some parts that are going to be easy. And for some people, it's easier than it is for other people. But there's hard times. Ask for help from those who you think that love you or who have shown up for you. Mm. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And just remember everybody out there, do good and make a difference. In the world around you, look for those ways you can help others. Dana, thank you so much for sharing a a piece of you and and a part of your life with us. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm really proud of who you are and, and I'm more than happy to have you in my life so thank thank you you. so much yeah thanks and for all of you out there we love you so much thank you so much for tuning in for checking in for listening check out our online store crazyfaceuno.com if you feel so inclined to buy a mug to support the show to support crazy face uno and the efforts that we are working on here please do we appreciate it there's also a way for you to donate you feel so inclined to donate thanks again we appreciate you all out there 